Welcome to Transcendent Tracks, a podcast that connects you with stories about music's powerful ability to impact our lives. I'm Dania, your host and lifelong music lover. I talk with musicians, music scholars, music writers, and especially music fans to explore the tracks that have inspired and influenced them most. Today's topic really needs no introduction. You would be hard-pressed to find many people who are not at least aware of the Beatles. They're one of those bands that have achieved such levels of success, influence, and ubiquity that they've been essentially mythologized. That's why I'm happy to have Erica White as my guest today. She co-hosts a Beatles podcast called Because the Beatles, which aims to refresh the conversation around the Fab Four. I'll go right into the first question, and this is how and when did you get into the Beatles? Uh, the when was a pretty long time ago now. I was five years old. It was sometime in the 80s. And uh, my dad was a big music guy. And we used to have long road trips up to my grandmother's house. And there were three of us because I was an only child at the time. And so the rule was that we each got an hour of music. And so my dad had made a, an early Beatles mixtape at that point. And he put it on and... I was instantly obsessed. I don't know why. I don't know what it was about that, but I used my hour for the Beatles. And from then on, I was about eight, nine years old. And I became this weird kid who loved the Beatles um, when literally nobody I knew knew who they were because we were all like nine. And, you know, there was other music going on at the time, which I honestly, I couldn't tell you what it is. Maybe like Debbie Gibson. I don't even know, but potentially. But yeah, I just became absolutely obsessed from that moment on and never really stopped. Speaking a little about your podcast that we mentioned, what do you want to share about that? Uh, well, my podcast is was um, when we started, we started three years ago and it was new in the space of Beatles podcasts and Beatles scholarships because at that point there were very, very few women who did anything in this space. And there were even fewer people, men or women, any gender, who were second generation fans, being people who weren't born when the Beatles were together. Mm-hmm. And so um, I was I was working with my co-host at the time. We were writing for a music magazine website that she ran. And we did a lot of Beatles conventions. We were on panels. Mm-hmm. We were writing articles together. And Part of it was that we wanted to keep talking about the Beatles. We loved podcasts. We wanted to start this. But then the other part of it was that we felt that our level of scholarship wasn't respected in the same way that the older male counterparts scholarship was, even though it was, as far as I'm concerned, on the same level, same level of research, same intensity. There was very much this, you know, what do you know about it, little girl kind of feeling Mm. And so, you know, we wanted to try and open up the space and we wanted to have our voice out there. We wanted to do a different kind of podcast in the space that was not quite so dry, that was a little bit more um, lively and conversational, kind of the way that a podcast we listened to were, but just about our favorite topics. So, you know, we, we started doing that and I think it went really well. And the evidence that I have for that is that it was the beginning of a lot of other people saying, hey, I want to do this too. And especially during the pandemic, every day, every other day, like another Beatles podcast follows me on Instagram or Twitter, or I find something. I was on a Beatles podcast from this kid who's 14 years old. 
Oh my and, goodness. <laughs> yeah. And so, you know, there's all, there's all of these new voices and now there's people who do Beatles YouTube and Beatles TikTok. And I'm not saying that we were pioneers in, in the fandom. I mean, the, the Beatles fandom has been going on forever, but I do feel like there was, there was a lack of those voices. And over the last couple of years, I feel very proud that a lot of people that we know say, I just listened to you and I wanted to start a podcast and now I did. So I feel like we were able to contribute that to the fandom, which you know I love and my co-host loves. So. Right. Well, that is something to be proud of. I mean, it's clearly a compliment to you and, and the work you're doing in your podcast. So, Well, thanks. Yeah. And we love hearing all the diverse voices. I mean, it's so much fun to hear people think of a new way to deal with the Beatles and to express their fandom. Yeah. At this point, you would almost think what niche is left? What new way is there? Because right, they didn't call it Beatlemania for nothing. I always like to talk to people about live shows, but obviously, and sadly, seeing the Beatles live is not an option today. But let's say you could travel back in time and go to any one of their concerts. Is there a particular show where you would want to be? If you had that opportunity, the first one is I would go way, way back in time to 1959, 1960, when the Beatles were contracted to play in Hamburg, Germany. And basically, they were playing in the red light district. They weren't all even of age. And right. they were playing all night long. They were, you know, all of these rock songs and they were playing with folks like little Richard, who was, you know, also playing in the same venues. They were, they were just rocking out. They were also trying their own pieces at the time. They were crazy. They were wild. You know, I think John Lennon broke one of the stages. It was his, his goal to break the stage, oh. to like pound on the stage with his foot until it finally broke, you know, came out like with a toilet seat around his neck one night and just boxers. Like there was so much wildness right. that was kind of, um, it, they got a bit sanitized when their manager took them on and realized right. that they needed to be to, you know, really appeal to a wider audience. But I think that just that raw energy of them playing like crazy for eight hours in the middle of the night would be my first one. And then the second one is a little bit more cliche, but I have a reason for it. And that is the Beatles first appearance on the Ed Sullivan show. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, most people, I think when they think about the Beatles, that's one of their main images is Ed Sullivan saying, ladies and gentlemen, the Beatles in February 1964 and just the screaming. But the reason I want to be there is because my grandfather was there. He was the guitar player for the Ray Block Orchestra, which was the house band for the Ed Sullivan show at the time. And he got my dad an autograph and he wasn't allowed to let him in because there were only, I think, 700 seats total. And there were like 25,000 people had written in for free tickets. So friends and family weren't allowed to, to come along. But I would have loved to have hung out with my grandfather yes. while he was dealing with this. Like he couldn't have cared less. But it, it, if I could go back in time, I'd just love to just see what that was like for him. He must have some incredible stories. I mean, even oh. outside of, oh yeah, clearly the, you know, the momentous occasion of the Beatles playing, but yeah, yeah. He played pretty... with Sinatra. He played with the Andrews sisters. He was in the Woody Herman orchestra. He was once mistaken for Elvis coming out of the stage door of the, oh, uh, Sullivan theater. Cause he was carrying guitar. Yeah. He had, he had a ton of stories. So oh, very interesting. Yeah. I wish that you could 
have the ability to do that. <laughs> that would be pretty special. Thanks. Yeah. So just on a not so serious question, but do you have a stance on the long-standing Beatles versus Rolling Stones debate? Oh, boy, I do. I mean, <laughs> having a, I think, you know, it's side I'm on. Uh-huh. Um, I, I mean, the Stones are great. They rock out. You know, they're great. They just, to me, they're, I, I love singing and voices. Mm-hmm. And I, I feel like the voices of the, I just love listening to the Beatles voices, all, all of them. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't, I don't feel the same way when I listen to the stones. So uh-huh. I, I don't have that um, just that same connection to them. Mm-hmm. But I, I mean, I understand why people would take the stone side, but I, I'm going to stay on the Beatles side. Right. And, and I will say this is a timely question because Paul McCartney and one of the stones, I can't remember which one, they're having a, an I, argument about this. I do remember hearing a little it blip was, it, about that. that. It was it was Keith Richards because Paul McCartney said in some article that the, the Stones were like more of a blues band, like a blues cover band. That's what he called them. Mm-hmm. And then right. there was a Stones concert later. Actually, my co-host was at it. Oh. And she said that Keith Richards was like pointing out all the famous people in the audience, you know, like here's Jimmy Kimmel and here's this person and that person and governor of California was there. And then he's like, and Paul McCartney is going to come on and we're going to do some blues covers together. (laughs) And so he was trying to throw some shade, Mm -hmm. but it kind of backfired on him because no one heard anything that he was saying after the words, Paul McCartney, because people started, they started screaming their heads (laughs) off thinking Paul McCartney was actually going to be on stage and he wasn't. So it kind of it kind of smacked him back in the face because he Sounds wanted like to it. he wanted to be sarcastic and then everybody was like oh Paul's not really here yeah a little bit of a bummer for everyone <laughs> <Yeah>. involved <laughs> poor Keith yes no but really it was more I mean clearly you're on the Beatles end but it's I like to hear the you know the why like you said the voices the singing really and I think the the varied musicianship. I think the Stones are a little bit more, you know what the Stones sound like, right? Yes. yes. And the Beatles in their short eight years, you could, I could play you 10 different songs. And if you didn't know the Beatles, you could not think that was the same band because they were so experimental. This may be probably a difficult one, but what is your favorite Beatles album and why? It may be more than one, but I'll let you try to pick something. I've thought about this question a lot today, actually, because it's it's a tough question. Um, and, you know, I'm not I have a different favorite thing of the Beatles all the time. So a lot of my favorite things kind of come from what I'm focusing in at the moment. But I was trying to think of what my overall favorite was. And so I think that I'll have to say my overall favorite album would be Abbey Road which is the last album they ever recorded together. And they were, after a lot of different phases, a lot of different experiments, a lot of you know, time on drugs and just doing different types of, of you know, different, having different types of adventures, they came together with their original producer, George Martin, for one last like back to basics album. And I think it was a point where they, they became more of a foursome again, whereas there was a lot of going off on their own and writing songs for a number of years because of a lot of animosity with their producer and 
all of the musicianship kind of culminated in this one album and not just this one album, but the, the second side of the record, which is that, that great, you know, 15 minute medley that mm -hmm. has, you know, it ends with the end. It ends with Ringo's probably best drum solo that there ever was, you know, and it's, it's Abbey road is probably everything great about the Beatles in a microcosm in that one album. You can find everything right there. So I would say that's, that's got to be my overall favorite. That's best in show for me. Well, that's, that's a great answer. Cause I was just going to say, it's definitely mine too, but you just gave so many wonderful reasons why it's probably, you know, connects with people. And yeah, if, if you just asked me offhand, that would, that's been my answer for a long time. Yeah, it's got so much in it. I mean, if you think about, you know, it, here comes the sun is one of George's most beautiful songs. Yeah. You know, Maxwell Silver Hammer is so silly. And then because has these beautiful harmonies that were uh, taken from classical music, inspired by classical music, and then just everything that happens in the end and the poetry of ending with the end as right. their last album, <laughs> not knowing that it would be their last album exactly, is, is just... It's, it's the kind of kismet that defines the Beatles story all along the way. And it just ends like that. And, you know, you couldn't write it better if you were trying to write fiction. So what keeps you coming back to their music again and again? What, what makes you such a loyal fan? I think there's a number of things. I mean, the first is just the historical aspect. There's so much to learn and discover and think about. There's currently an author who now is in the middle of writing a three-volume definitive history of the Beatles. He put out the first one in 2013, I think. That one, the unabridged version, was over a thousand pages. And that's volume one of three. Oh, I was just going to ask. That's just volume one. That's not the <laughs> entire set. And that's, okay. that's 50 years after the fact. Right. 60 now almost. And so there's just so much to uncover. And... There's so many new things to learn and there's, there's a magic about the history that you don't find anywhere else. Like I was talking about this on my podcast about Let It Be. We were talking about how there was Sgt. Pepper and then there was the White Album and then there was the Let It Be recording and then there was Abbey Road and how there are these distinctive phases in their history. But the whole thing was about 15 months start to finish. Like they were in... They, you know, um, Sergeant Pepper, their psychedelic phase was in late 67. Then mm -hmm. in early 68, they went to India and then they, they finished the white album at the end of 68. And then let it be was three months later in, in uh, January, 1969. And then by March 69, they were recording Abbey road. So, you know, to have human beings go through phases like that so quickly, so completely, and with so much mastery, I can never get tired of thinking about that. So there's, there's just so many levels to it, even beyond the music. I mean, I definitely talk about the Beatles a lot more than I listen to the Beatles nowadays mm. because talking about them is as much, you know, as much fun as actually experiencing the music. And then I I think the second part, which is equally important is the fandom because there's a 60 year fandom and now there are, and there will be more people who didn't experience the Beatles in real time than who did, who are content creators, who really care about this stuff. You know, teenagers who go absolutely wild 
over Paul McCartney. He's almost 80 playing a, a show. And, you know, like the, I, I mentioned, I was on the podcast of a 14-year-old who has a solo Beatles podcast. So not just even the Beatles, but the Beatles after 1970. And I was talking to him about the Beatles in politics as a band and as a solo artist. And just to think that there's a 14-year-old kid out there who's so intense that he can have a conversation on that level. It's just wow. so wonderful to see. And, you know, whatever you like, there's something that people have found a way to take what the Beatles did and keep creating and creating and creating and creating. So, you know, whether it's, it's podcasts or, you know, read mixes or something as big as Peter Jackson doing a new version of the let it be, or something as niche as fan fiction writers who are obsessed with, you know, shipping John and Paul, like there's just so <laughs> many different things going on that it's, whether that's, you know, those things are something I'm personally interested in or not, I'm so interested in the fact that they're happening. Well, first, it's really great to hear that there are people so young that even know what you're talking about, that even have any level of appreciation or fandom for the Beatles, like they were at the concert or someone doing this incredible podcast. So that's that's very comforting thought yeah. <laughs> to me. And so when you were mentioning, okay, it's been 60 some years now, and that so much can still be extrapolated from mm -hmm. such a short period of intense creativity and evolution and clearly mastery over what they were doing, because you had to be a serious catalyst to create something that powerful in a compact period of time. Right. And I think it's not only that the history is so interesting, but also that people are creating on top of the Beatles. They're creating their own things. And so there's always yeah. something more because it's not just the Beatles anymore. It's, it's everybody around them. Mm -hmm. And that, that's what makes, I think that's what makes a lot of fandoms really special. I mean, I'm thinking yeah. about like a lot of like the sci-fi fandoms that have conventions and there's mm -hmm. cosplay and there's all of those things. I think this community is very similar in the way that they build on what they've got. So I'm, I'm glad it turned into a fandom. Because it, yeah, it's much richer than just the Beatles themselves, as rich as they are. Okay. Another potentially tough question. What Beatles songs would be on your personal soundtrack? That is a tough one. I have to pick something from every part, every era, because mm -hmm. you can't just skip one. So I'd probably start, you know, very, very early with, well, it was on Let It Be. It was their earliest song. So one after 909, it was one of the earliest songs they ever wrote together, which they didn't record until Let It Be. I think I'll take something off Hard Day's Night, like If I Fell, which is a, a beautiful love ballad by John, which is actually not, it's not the nicest sentiment if you really think about the lyrics, but it's a beautiful song <laughs> itself and it's got a great harmony. I would have to take some of Paul's sillier songs. I love his, uh, what John termed his granny music. So I'll have to take <laughs> Maxwell's Silver Hammer. Um, Here Comes the Sun is my favorite George song of all time. Yeah. Staying on the sun theme. I think I'll, I'll take Good Day Sunshine. Mm -hmm. The beat of that song, Paul just creates such a wonderful mood with that. Yeah. And, you know, I'm not going to forget about Ringo. So, you know, I'm going to take one of his earliest songs that was a cover. It was called Boys. It was one of their first albums. Interesting choice. Paul actually talked about this in an interview that he did about how the Beatles loved that early rock sound. 
And yeah. they loved girl groups. They especially loved American black girl groups mm-hmm. a lot. And um, like, please, Mr. Postman was one of John's earliest songs that he covered because he yeah. just loved that girl group sound. And the song Boys was a song meant to be sung from a girl's perspective. I'm talking about boys, like mm-hmm. how they love boys. And they just loved the song. They loved to rock out on the song. And they couldn't have cared less about the gender placement. They just wanted to sing it. So it was one of Ringo's signature songs that they played live, which is another really cool thing about the Beatles is that they, they kind of did transcend a lot of gender stereotypes and mm-hmm. you know stereotypes of what was manly and what was girlish and you know you can find mm-hmm. something no matter who you are and you know you know that they were they were open about this kind of thing in a way at for the time that makes it easy to experience it as a fan too a question really just to see if you think it's off base or not. But sometimes I find that everybody knows, like, even if they don't listen to the Beatles, I mean, you know who the Beatles are. You at least incidentally, at some point in your life, have heard their music. But I don't know. It seems like that your general random person just Mm -hmm. is like, you know, I've never really sat down to listen to anything. Right, because it's in the zeitgeist. And Mm -hmm. people can probably name five or 10 songs, yeah. whether they've ever heard them or not, they just know the titles or they know, oh, the Twist and Shout, that was in Ferris Bueller's Day Off or like yes. whatever, right? So it's there and it's present. And I think that, you know, then there are people on the other side of the spectrum who really don't know the Beatles, but they they want to feel snobbish and say, oh, the Beatles are overrated. And people say oh, that. that's true. And they don't probably don't really have an informed answer. And there is kind there is a gendered aspect to this too, because- what people think about when they think about Beatles sometimes is all of those screaming teenage girls. And while there is plenty of serious scholarship on the Beatles, sometimes people say, Oh, it's like a bubblegum group. I don't care. You know what I mean? And they tend to overlook what happened the previous six years and not even, not even that. I mean, right now it's, it's, pretty standard that artists write their own music, but that was never done before. First, Buddy Holly was the first one who really did that. And the Beatles took after Buddy Holly. He was one of their idols. And then they wrote yeah. all their music. That's, that wasn't done. So, you know, there's, there's, a, there's just, just so much deeper than it looks if you just see it kind of on the surface. I mean, I would challenge anybody who knows a very little amount about the Beatles and either has a, a positive or a negative opinion So listen a little more and see if you're right, because there's so much there, so much more than the public pop culture would have you believe. That's a great point. And to that end, if you were talking to someone who they needed to listen a little bit more or they only know it on a very surface level, if you had to make a recommendation of here's an album you need to hear or here's some, some songs to start with, what would you say? That's a tough one because I'd really want to know something about the person Mm. and who they are, what they like, what they don't like. You know, I mean, you can find everything from bubblegum pop to avant-garde, you know, Philip Glass style compositions in the Beatles music. I would probably say start with Revolver because it is the album that I think is kind of a turning point from very standard rock Mm -hmm. and roll 
geared towards teeny bopper type of thing into this experimental phase, but not so far into the experimental phase that you feel like this makes me feel like I'm doing drugs or this feels like false and artificial because there's so many vocal effects on it. Like Sgt. Pepper has a lot of interesting effects, but Mm -hmm. maybe that's not really like listen to them, listen to their voices, listen to their harmony, listen to some of the twists and turns that they do in the music that, you know, not only paved the way for a lot of other people to do kind of the same things, but it's just a level of creativity and artistry that, you know, if, if you don't find something in a revolver that you like, you may really be of the opinion that you don't like it, the Beatles at all, because there's, there's just so much in there. So, yeah. Yeah. Start with revolver. Okay. Erica, this has been so much fun. I've really enjoyed Definitely. talking to you. Me and too. I appreciate your time so much and that you came to talk about the Beatles today. Thank you. I really appreciate it. Always love to talk about the Beatles. Thanks so much for listening. Be sure to follow or subscribe in your favorite podcast app to stay up to date on episode releases. And if you have a friend that you think might enjoy this show, please share it with them. You can find links to episode resources in the show notes. Thank you again for joining me for Transcendent Tracks. I'll see you next time.